Hey, Mafu. Hey, Paula. Hey, so you know how you're supposed to host the 4S East panel on hacker cultures in Prague? Yes, I think that's something we promised to do. Yeah, so you know how it was all put online because of the coronavirus pandemic? Uh, virus. I, I know. hate it. I know, exactly. I hate it too. So why don't we take the boring panel and turn it into a podcast? Oh, podcasts. That's equally as boring. <laughs> I like it. I like it too. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. <laughs> This is Hacker Culture's The Conference Podcast. This year, COVID-19 turned most conferences virtual. So to combat Zoom fatigue, we decided to try another format and turn a conference session into a podcast. This series comes to you from the 2020 Joint 4S East Conference. I'm Paula Bielski, and along with my co-host, Mase Oyala, we're talking with all sorts of researchers who study what it is to be a hacker and what hacking, programming, tinkering, and working with computers is all about. As a technical note, some of this audio was recorded through Zoom. The audio might not be at its best, but it hopefully doesn't affect the content our researchers aim to get across. In this session, we're talking with Annika Richterich. She's an assistant professor in digital culture at Maastricht University. Her research focuses on practices of collaboration, learning, and innovation in hacking communities. This session is titled Forget About the Learning on Digital Creativity and Expertise in Hacker Maker Spaces. And Annika writes that hackers and makers are curious people. They tinker, they try, they team up, driven by tech political motives, entrepreneurial interests, or just for the fun of it. Their curiosity about digital technology and crafts makes them self-driven learners in these domains. And she says that to share their enthusiasm as well as required machines, hackers and makers worldwide have formed communities called hack or hack spaces or maker spaces. These are physical places where members engage in creative DIY activities involving software and electronics. Learning is key to the social tech and craft practices cultivated in hacker maker spaces, which she shortens for for the HMS. Yet educational value of these DIY communities has been rarely acknowledged. Drawing on a mixed method study, this paper explores how digital creativity and expertise are interrelated in these hacker maker spaces. So here's our talk with Annika. Okay, so we are going on to Annika Richterich. I tried to speak uh, German, yeah. uh, wonderful, uh, yeah. from the University of Sussex, but I, maybe she comes to us also from our uh, w Germany, where we are right now, also broadcasting this. Um, she's going to talk about her research on digital creativity, and this talk is called Forget About the Learning on Digital Creativity and Expertise in Hacker Maker Spaces. Yeah, so, and uh, yeah, just we've already touched upon a little bit of, about all this kind of uh, different kind of stereotypes somehow regarding hackers. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, maybe I guess the most uh, persistent one a little bit that I was kind of joking about with the hackers and crackers is that hacking is something illegal, right? So it's like something like a naughty, naughty. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be doing that. But so, so can you like uh, talk a little bit about that and then kind of um, uh, in your title you talk about like hacker spaces and that obviously has the word hacker in it so what you know why why hacker spaces yes um, so 
that any type of hacking is illegal is uh, indeed a misconception that I and I'm sure many or probably all in this panel have faced that before or had to deal with that in some way. We already discussed about it a little bit too. And I would say that it is partly a reason why I decided actually to research hackerspaces because of hacking being confused and conflated kind of with illegal activities. You just mentioned also kind of cracking of computer systems, stealing data, which is basically what most people think when you say hacking. Um, because of that, society tends to overlook what we can in fact learn from hackers. And hackerspaces to me are a particularly interesting case because they are kind of communities where people engage in a variety of practice, like really a broad variety of practices that are relevant to digital skills acquisition, technological agency, expertise, and grassroots innovation, just to mention kind of a few. Um, maybe just very briefly, in case, for those who are not familiar with the idea of hackerspaces, and I apologize because it's well possible all of you are familiar with them, they are basically physical community spaces that exist in many parts of the world, though I focus on hackerspaces in the UK. And in terms of community size or group size, they range from 10 to several hundred members. And they often pick somewhat industrial locations to allow for a broad range of activities and tools. So for example, you would find desks for those into software development and electronics, but also 3D printers, laser cutters, and wood and metal workshops even. To get back to my reasons for researching these communities, I think that hackerspaces are not just perfectly legal, but they're more of a very resourceful and, I argue, relevant to a variety of contemporary societal challenges. But this relevance can be and has been too easily overlooked. And maybe to partly explain why that might be the case, apart from the issue of hacking seen as per se illegal, um, I came across a tweet this week with someone asking, why have hackerspaces seemingly failed to produce very impactful things? And I disagree with this alleged failure, and actually so does the author of the tweet, ultimately. But I can see how someone would reach this conclusion when only looking for kind of material technological output that wears the label of like hackerspace X and Y. I think what we should look out for when studying hackerspaces are kind of the skills and practices that hackerspaces facilitate. So long story short, my main reason for researching hackerspaces is that we can learn from these tech-savvy communities how and why people get so tech-savvy and also so enthusiastic about tech. They are very insightful fields for studying, I would say, what kind of John Dewey and others have described as experiential learning, and they show how creativity and innovation can be kind of driven by motives other than economic interests. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit more about sort of the role of learning and what it plays a role in hackerspaces. And maybe this also helps us kind of give an example of the relevance of hackerspaces more largely. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit more. Maybe I can try to kind of address both kind of by way of example as well. Um, Great. Because a very good example, I think, for hackerspaces relevance and for the learning practices are um, quite recent initiatives that we've seen um, in many countries kind of in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I should briefly mention that I, uh, like many others, again, conduct qualitative and ethnographic research. So I do interviews and participant observation, and mainly, as I said, in UK hackerspaces. And in the UK, kind of comparable to the US and elsewhere, um, healthcare providers and even hospitals experience shortages of personal protective equipment. 
um, so face shields, masks, gowns, etc. And they were also looking for help with inventing new equipment, partly kind of for additional or emergency safety layers, so to speak. And what happened in the UK is that basically healthcare staff contacted local hackerspaces as well as makerspaces, which are very similar communities. And then those communities use their skills and their tools to produce, for example, 3D printed um, face shields, um, they made masks, gowns, um, and kind of drew on digital technology in a lot of cases to actually fabricate these things. They could do so not only on very short notice, but also very locally, like basically they were part of kind of small small cities sometimes or like larger capital cities. So they could also deliver very locally. And on the one hand, this illustrates that there's indeed actually some very tangible output that can be highly relevant to society and also the communities kind of in the surroundings of hackerspaces. And on the other hand, it's also an insightful case because hackerspaces um, had to not only figure out how such equipment could be technically produced, but they also had to look into and discuss with healthcare professionals what medical standards um, do we need to adhere to, um, what do we need to kind of um, keep in mind in order to make sure that we're not just manufacturing this, but that it can ultimately also be used eventually even in clinical settings. So there's there's a lot of kind of social technical learning involved, but there's also a lot of learning involved that goes um, beyond kind of the technical parts. Um, I discussed that also in a paper that I will shamelessly share later as well in the chat. No, no shame, no yeah, shame. Yeah, no shame in paper sharing. <laughs> this is a, a paper-friendly area <laughs> venue. Uh, but this is nice. And th thanks for earlier, you kind of opened up what you mean by hackerspaces. So that, that was very helpful. So thanks for, thanks for like filling that bit in just to like get everyone on board. But then... Um, yeah, this has, seems like pretty fantastic. Like these hackerspaces can, you know, they're like fast and resourceful and fun and like all kind of good things. Uh, so this is like the perfect solution for all the society's problems or what What are you saying? Or like some of them maybe. So what's, what's going on? Like, is this what you're suggesting or is this, you know, well, <laughs> who, who wouldn't love hackerspace? Let's only have hackerspaces. Well, I'm not really exactly kind of suggesting solution in like a techno fix way, so to speak. Um, so maybe to, I don't think that solution would be the exact framing that I would use here. And just to elaborate on that, maybe for multiple reasons. So when considering, for example, the manufacturing of personal healthcare equipment that I mentioned before, um, I would be a bit cautious to frame that as a solution or to kind of, yeah, but frame it as a solution because, in a sense, those practices exposed and locally tackled the problem. A solution to me would have been to prevent and address healthcare shortages and equipment shortages in the first place on UK government level or address them. Um, I think what hackers and makers did is kind of what they do best. They came up with a hack, a smart, hopefully temporary workaround. And in doing so, I think they also exposed for instance, the effects of austerity politics in the UK. So there's a lot to say also kind of about technopolitical entanglements there. So in a sense, rather than being mainly like a solution or being called a solution, I would maybe also say that those initiatives are somewhat symptomatic and they allow us to learn a lot about society. Second, and that's maybe more broadly, I mentioned before, 
that uh, I research hackerspaces because I think they will help us find some answers to how and why people acquire technological skills that are increasingly important to digital societies. But at the same time, research on hackerspaces um, will also provide insights into dynamics of in and unfortunately also exclusion. So who's finding their way into these communities, who fits in, who gets along well with whom. And as Christina could have probably or surely told us more about, these are also issues that the communities are aware of. And for example, the founding of feminist hackerspaces and more diversity-oriented communities, they are also symptomatic of of rather problems around hackerspaces than hackerspaces being um, kind of solutions. So yeah. with that said, even though I would not frame hackerspaces only as a solution in a kind of technofix manner, studying hackerspaces can contribute to finding solutions to a variety of issues. And that includes also means of inclusion and unfortunately exclusion in kind of very tech semi community. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just to go totally off script here, um, I hope you don't mind. I mean, one question that Morgan has, and this is a little bit in exactly what you touched upon that Christina wanted to talk about this here. Um, but in general, the cracker spaces in general have been sort of looked at as... I mean, research around hackerspaces and makerspaces have looked at is kind of fairly sexist, right? Racist spaces as well. And there are some notable exceptions of hackerspaces specifically designed around feminist values. But how did that play out in your research? And this is something that Morgan Ames wrote here on the chat. Um, and I'm curious if you want to tackle that. Is that something that you've touched upon? And in, in how did it play out in the spaces you studied? Should I have a look at the question or that Morgan have? No. no, no, that's literally the question. I literally practically um, read it out, basically. <laughs> like, how did how did these sort of trends come out? Or, I mean, these trends that other researchers have looked at as being fairly sexist, being fairly racist spaces, how did this play out um, in, in your, yeah. your field? Um, I think it's a really mixed bag, and it depends a lot, a lot on the community. Like, I have visited communities okay. where I kind of experienced i think in a way partly what maybe members of underrepresented groups will experience so that um people assume that you don't know anything about what they're talking about and you're kind of addressed in a certain way which as an ethnographer can sometimes be very interesting because it gives you also certain types of insights but where you immediately see that um if you where to be a member that this would make for a very uncomfortable situation and that you might be rather unlikely to join that community. Um, but I have also been to communities who were in, insanely aware of like diversity issues and who kind of where I thought like I can I can learn a lot from you guys like kind of the way they, they kind of reflected on language use regarding certain groups the way they reflected on kind of their own dynamics. Mm -hmm. So there were hackerspaces where members basically said, like, well, for instance, the underrepresentation of women, that's kind of the problem that's within society. And we're just kind of the result of that, but we're not the place where this should be tackled. So this is just something that affects mm -hmm. us, but we're not kind of part of coming up with solutions. While others said very clearly, we have to engage in um, very targeted um, activities to involve other members, and we have to work on how we kind of interact with each other and how we welcome others um so i've seen and, and i've seen that i must say also in spaces that are not explicitly framed as feminist hacker spaces mm, i get it 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, cool. We have some more minutes left, so uh, so let's just get a question from Jana Boeva on the chat. So this is uh, we're kind of freestyling the format here. Exactly. That's cool. We had That's a bit of wine. Roll. I hope yeah. you don't mind, Annika. I hope you don't mind. There's so many questions for you. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah, asking that's good. Questions. And then, and you were right on some. So, so I'm just uh, reading this question. So, so you'll also find it in the chat if it's easier for you to to read in text. But uh, the question for you is the following: Where hacker slash makerspaces in the UK approached in parallel to institutional spaces in academia? or more professionally oriented spaces first for production of shields, I guess uh, referring the uh, PBEs. Mm. Uh, here in Germany, uh, it seemed that university spaces were the primary choice to cooperate with, uh, help with health providers through perhaps ongoing research partnerships, but also perhaps with universities slash institutional spaces appearing as more Uh, as rather more legitimate manufacturers compared to more loosely organized spaces like hackerspaces, I guess. Do you have an idea why that is? Trust in institutions over informal knowledge communities, despite their primary occurrences. Does it does it help? I also want to like intervene that we at the IT University of Copenhagen also printed these PPEs um, for um, during the Corona, and that was very well received. But we could say we are on like a 3D lab in a university, which is something quite different than a hackerspace would be. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that they were approached in parallel. Of course, I can't say much kind of if you would, it would be interesting to actually look at that comparatively to what extent where universities approached in Germany and hackerspaces and makerspaces and to what extent in the UK. There might also be something to say about kind of um, hackerspaces, makerspaces in Germany potentially being maybe a bit more politicized and hackerspaces in the UK being somewhat more entrepreneurial. Um, and um, so there were basically also national initiatives where hackerspaces and makerspaces contributed and universities contributed as well. And sometimes also universities and makerspaces, hackerspaces kind of joined forces. So um, there was a lot of collaboration between all sorts of partners, mm -hmm. but it was definitely the case that um, hackerspaces were approached kind of, in a sense, as individual institutions as well. Um, thanks for the paper, Adrian is actually a colleague of mine. It's very interesting. Thanks for sharing it here. From, uh, yeah, cool. Nice. Should we wrap yeah. up? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much, Annika. That was really wonderful. And uh, what's next? Are you have some papers out? You're having a book out? Do you are you chilling? 3D printing the next uh, hackerspace <laughs> oh, exactly. research. I'm working on a paper basically on um, learning and hackerspaces, and something that um, maybe I can mention still is like the title, of course, of this talk is kind of forget about the learning, um, and something that's that. that I kind of have encountered is that while I think there is a lot of learning taking space taking place in hacker and maker spaces, um, members do not necessarily agree to that. So um, I've also faced a lot of um, kind of uh, my interviews sometimes turn into discussions also with people who kind of say, oh, members of hacker spaces and maker spaces who say, well, are you sure we're really about the learning, etc. And then they describe in much detail to me. Mm. how they learn, how they teach others, etc. But they're very hesitant to kind of frame that 
as learning, which I think is very interesting also in reflecting about people's experiences with more traditional schooling, their views on more experiential learning and what kind of happened to this notion of learning that we are so, or that in some contexts, people who obviously learn are so hesitant to actually use it. So this is something that I'm kind of trying to theorize mm. and kind of process at the moment Great. and Sounds so many cool. more questions coming up for you here in the chat and we're gonna come back to you as well in about 15 minutes after our last session okay so thank you so much annika let's give annika a round of applause This podcast series was hosted by Paula Bielski and Matze Oyala. It was produced by Heights Beats and Hot Milk Productions with funding from St. Gallen University. Thank you to all the panelists and audience members of the Hacker Cultures panel at the 4S and East 2020 conference on the theme of locating and timing matters, significance and agency of science and technology studies in emerging worlds.